22. Starting at verse 22. We're going to go over, over to Acts 23 and probably going to try to end at verse 29. So Paul was last week talked about Paul gave his speech, who he was, that he was a Jew and um, how his testimony, how he came to Christ. Um, but now the people have heard him. And let's see the response. Let's see what's going to happen from here from the Jewish people and also from the tribune. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. These are the Jews are saying this to Paul. And for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the bear, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched their him, stretched him out for the whips, it's the Romans now. Paul said to the centurion, who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you, you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I brought, the tribune answered, I bought this citizen for a large sum, Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen that he had bound him. But on the next day, designed to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And they brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up, up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Some of y'all, like Trey J and Jerry, say, steal off on him or stole on him. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you. You whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you ordered me to be struck? Those stood by said, Will you avow the high God, high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the day that I am on trial. And when he had said this, dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
and the assembly were divided. For the Sadducees said, say that there is no resurrection, nor angels, nor spirit, but the Pharisees that acknowledged them all. Then a great clamor rose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisee party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. What if, what if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, they commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him to the bears. Look at verse 11. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the fact about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. When it was day, the Jews made a plot. They won't stop, y'all. They keep going, keep going, keep going. They make a plot, and they bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests, the elders, and said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister, which is Paul's nephew, heard of the ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul, Paul, he called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune, and he said, Paul, the prisoners called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he was something to say to you. Then the tribune took him by the hand and going aside and asked him probably, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him, but do not be persuaded by them for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oak neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready to waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Some of y'all may ask, like, man, that's a lot, Preston. What is going on here? Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us. And what's going on with Paul here in this text? So if you're kind of confused with all these things that's happening, Let's pray and ask the Lord to make these things plain for us. Our Father God is in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us back this evening. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us as we understand your word. Lord, your word give life. Your Lord, your, Lord, your word is profitable for the believer. So build us right now up in your word right now. Enrich us in your word. Instill, Lord, your grace through your word right now. So, Lord, we don't have to be afraid of all the plots of mankind. The plots of the devil, Lord, that's all around us, Lord, that's trying to get us to fall. Lord, we don't have to be afraid of them. Because we be weary of all the things that's happening around us. With those that are working for the evil one, Lord, to bring us down, we don't have to be afraid of all the plots. Lord, you're working in a special way. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us understand this text. 
So, Lord, we can be able to honor you, Lord, in times, Lord, when mankind, Lord, bring across our way. Understanding our God sits at the right hand of the Father. And we don't have to be afraid. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us, Lord, at this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the things in our society is um, a lot of people are very curious. A couple of years ago was a big name called the Illuminati that came out. Everybody saw the Aussie and I. Saw the pyramid, right? Saw the capstone on top of the pyramid. And a lot of people try to uh, 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 summarize and say this is satanic worship, devil worship. Man. You had Jay-Z in certain album covers. People have the Aussie and I. They would say the third eye. And all these conspiracy things that are happening and all these plotting in the world, like who runs the world? And so many people have asked questions like, why are these people plotting? Why are they so hungry of money and so much of a control? One prime example of this is one of the writings of, not having the Pope right here in front of me, but you guys can go back and fact check this. Uh, one of the things that Abraham Lincoln mentioned that is quoted to say, I think in Charles Chenegy writings, well, he said that the Civil War would never happen where it was the sinister, I think, influenced by the Jesuit order. Not only this, Adolf Hitler said when it's Nazi SS, all of the SS is like this secret service of the Nazi order. You guys ever heard of SS before? Well, he said many things that he learned from the Nazi SS, he took it from the Jesuit order. Well, another thing too with the name Illuminati, the first time you ever heard of it was through one of the priests called Adam Wishop, which was a Jesuit order. Last thing I'm going to mention about them is that one guy said this, uh, I think he was one of, the, one of the superior generals of the Jesuit order. He said, from this little room, he was in China. I think he was in China somewhere. Or is it, I think he might have been in London. He said, from this little room right here, I control every part of the world. From this small little room. And the reason why I say that is that family, it is influences and things that are happening that we might not be able to see. One particular actual plot that's happening is that through the Reformation. When the Roman Catholic Church was derived from the actual the Roman government, the, the Roman emperor, the, the church forms out of this Roman order. Eventually the church forms in this. And, and the Roman Empire, right, kind of turned to this Roman Catholic Church eventually. And the Roman Catholic Church kind of runs the world for a minute. And they plotted to run everything. And they killed people through the Dominican order, through the to all the different orders, they killed people throughout the years. And all of a sudden, the Reformation happened. Martin Luther saw what was happening. He said, what you guys are doing in Catholic Church is not right. And he posted the 95 theses. And so the Catholic Church trying to get everybody back together, and they couldn't get everybody back together, so they created an order called the Jesuit Order. And the Jesuit Order was created to bring everybody back to the Catholic Church. And the Jesuit Order was the use of to bring about so many entities to run the world. Back to the same thing. You got parts of the rest of your crazy talking about this stuff, right? But but I'm just sharing with you guys is you don't have to get distracted by all these pictures and eyes and all this. It's a real world. A world is war is happening out there. It's a spiritual satanic world is happening out there. People want to rule over God. Mankind is profitable. Mankind do not want to submit to the gospel. So, what's happening? 
You had different groups like the Roman Catholic Church created groups to run the world to plot against the Christian biblical church. And I say this, family, even though they are working and they're still working right now, but one thing is so profound by every plot that's in this world. Every plot against God's people, God sees it. That's the profound thing about plots that happen towards his church. Even with Martin Luther, when he nailed him mind for our thesis, God used Francis the Great to hide him, to hide him, preserve him. And God does the same thing through his church. Look what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, Christian churches over there. Look what's happening in China and parts of Africa. The more the plot goes against the church, the more Christians get killed, the faster Christianity grows. I know it's so weird. Family plots don't stop the gospel. Plots is when God manifests his wisdom to show to his world what a church really looks like. We don't fold under pressure. We don't fold under pressure. Pressure shows the world the beauty of the church. So let me bring this home. Even at the workplace, even at your job, mankind plots against us. Mankind means evil deeds against us, and we might get fired from a job. Bad things might happen in that. Family, we still win. <laughs> we still win in the midst of plots because God even used plots to grow us in sanctification. That's the amazing thing, though, is that anything that's thrown our way is turned around for our good. Does that make sense? Anything, family, anything, name it in your head. Think about anything in this world that bad that may happen to you from this world. God turned every bad deed to his good. Who can do that but God? That's his sovereignty. That's, that's, that's God, Miss Lisa. He does that. God does that, Greg. He turned every confused moment for his good. How do we know this? Now, did all this ranting about plots in this world and what is happening and as we get occupied or we living in the last days and how much is all this stuff is happening with the end of the world and all this people controlling the world behind the scenes? Family, we don't have to worry about that because we know the one that controls all things is God above. Amen. Amen. How many plots it is? Keep coming. Keep thinking of more plots. But your mind and your wisdom would never surpass the wisdom of God. God is going to use your plots to grow his church. But for us, we get so weary. Creston, we in the last day. Creston, that, 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 that the Illuminati is going to take over the world. That Russia is going to take over America. That this world is going to happen. We get so afraid of these things like God is not sitting on the throne and not allowing these things to happen. Family, America, Russia, Ukraine, and all the Illuminatis, they only can do what God allowed. The reason why it's the all seeing eye, whatever it is, the reason why it's there, God allowed it to be there. He allowed it to be there. What for? For a name to be glorified through his church. You're like, what, Christian? What? For us to be persecuted, for, for us to stand on what's right, that the world may know him. Family, we are called the body of Christ. Now, I know we use cheesy words. We are his physical body on earth in a way of that we are the physical representation of Christ. We're not truly, we're not Christ. But we're a representation of Christ in the world. How did the world know Christ? Through his church. Because the church is the one to claim the word and give the word to the world. 
So family, through persecution, through the plots of Jesus, you remember Jesus was plotted against by the Roman government? Who allowed it to happen? The Father allowed it to happen that for Jesus to be plotted against, for him to be raised up from the grave. And the same thing that's happened to Paul in our test today, the plot that's going to happen to Paul, is God is going to use that for the Gentile word of the gospel family. The same for us. The plots that are against us, God uses that to show the world that he, we are his disciples. So bring the plots on. I know y'all don't want to hear that. Bring them on. And let us sit back and watch the manifold wisdom of God be displayed amongst a world where everybody else running to Walmart scared because they're in the world. Everybody in the world getting Walmart cases and cases of water, afraid of everything. We stand in boldness. Amen. Not afraid. Because we know that God is doing something in this moment that we don't have to be afraid. So I hope I test today. Should be a short sermon. Today should be. That we be encouraged by this message from message today in the life of Paul. How mankind is steady trying to find things on Paul, plots on Paul, but God is going to preserve him, going to keep him, and God's going to use him for his own glory. And if God done this for Paul, and the Father done it with his son Jesus' family, he does it for his church today, for us. So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's going to happen. It's in God's hands. Not in your hands. Not in my hands. Now, if it's in our hands, we need to worry. But it's in the hands of the Savior. Family, we can sleep good tonight. Three points today. Paul goes before the Roman tribune. Point number two. Paul before the Jewish council. Point three. The Jews make a plot to kill Paul. Jump point number one. Paul goes before the Roman tribune. Up to this word, they listen to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Paul just finished sharing his testimony before the Jews that he was a real Jew, that he honored the law, that they, um, that they was okay with that for, at that moment, up until Paul mentioned about, uh, about God's going to send him to the Gentiles. And when Paul, after Paul said that, Luke lets us know what happened. Look at verse 23. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging, flingering dust into the air. This time they was upset now. How can you say you're for the law? You say you're going to the Gentiles. The tribune saw that the people were pretty worked up. The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks again so they, so they can flog him like, Paul, are you lying to us? What did you do to these people to be so angry towards you, Paul? So the Roman government, like, why are they so angry towards you? They were thinking, Paul, you had to do something so bad for them wanting to kill you this way. So the woman, Romans wanted to get to the bottom of this. Why do these people hate Paul so much? So they put him up to be beaten. So he confessed, so he can confess what he had done. But we know that Paul had been faithful to the Lord. But the Romans think that he had to do something for, for them to be able to have this so much uproar towards him. So the Romans set Paul up for flogging. Then, look at the next part. Then Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to be flogged by a man who was a Roman citizen and could uncondemn? Paul stopped the Romans in their tracks. They can't hold Paul because they insist they're a Roman citizen. 
The Roman citizen had a judicial system that if you actually didn't go through the due process, the Roman Caesar, if it got back to him, you could be, could be put to death. A centurion could have been put to death. So they had to follow the laws of Rome. By him being a Roman citizen, they couldn't touch him until he was tried in court. Where do you think America got this process of due process come from? We got it from a lot of from the Roman government, the Roman system. And the Roman citizen knew that after they found out Paul was a citizen, they couldn't touch him. Paul said, I'm a, I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. They didn't take their time. They got away from him. And the traveling also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen that he had been bound, had bound him. So that's a no-no for a Roman to treat a Roman this way. That these folks bound a Roman citizen for not breaking the Roman law. Family, that's illegal. So the Roman troops now want to hear from Paul. And the Jews, since they don't understand why Paul is treated this way, the Jews. So let's see if we can find out why Paul is treated this way in point two. Why are they treating Paul like this? Why did the Jews want him, back, want him dead so bad? Look at point two. Now Paul is before the Jewish council again. The Roman still got him. Now the Jews council before him again. So look at verse 30. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. Now here that Paul is brought before the council and the high priest. So the tribune can figure out the reason of Paul. Let's bring Paul before the high priest now. Let's figure out what Paul is accused of. And this council is called the... This council is called the... Sanhedrin council. This group of 70 men with the high priest was zealous of the law. Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was mixed with Pharisees. And you have other Jewish leaders within this Sanhedrin group. Also within the Sanhedrin, you always have believers within that Sanhedrin. You guys remember Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus was actually part of the Sanhedrin. So the Pharisees were the one that also played a role in Jesus and Stephen being put to death. Now they want the same for Paul. And Paul know it. So listen to the words of Paul. And looking attentively into the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience of this, this day. So Paul is saying he lived a life up to good conscience. He has studied the law and lived up to good conscience. So why do y'all have him here? Paul is saying is that I'm living by the law. So how do y'all think they're going to respond to this? Paul said, I'm keeping the law. If Paul had kept the law, they can't arrest him. They can't punish him for it. So Paul professed before the zealous Jews, the leaders, that he has lived a life in good God to God and all good country up to this day. So Paul has been doing what God has called him to do. And you know the high priest is not going to like that response. Because if Paul is living his life like God has called him to do, and he'd be obedient to the law, how priest, what do you have against my brother Paul? 
the high priest commanded that Paul be struck in the mouth. One person says this about Paul's response. Paul knew the law, and he knew that Ananias' order was unjust. Leviticus 19.15. He therefore threw a verbal rock back at him, calling out the hypocrisy of the high priest, who was likely dressed in his fine religious attire. Paul's language of a whitewashed wall was an insult. He was saying that the priest would outwardly, outwardly look clean, stable, but was actually corrupt and flimsy. Paul's statement was more prophetic than he probably realized. In less than 10 years, Ananias, Jewish freedom fighters, would assassinate him eventually. One person says this. So Ananias looked all right on the inside, but weak on the outside, deteriorating inwardly, one person says. He was eventually going to die. So the people respond to Paul by saying, would you revile against God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it's written, you shall not speak evil of your people. Not sure Paul has been sarcastic here, or never he never knew that what this high, who the high priest would look like. Could Paul be sarcastic in mentioning that, hey, a high priest wouldn't be a one to be breaking the law? Or he really just didn't know him. Many people have divided on this. But regardless, though, Paul said he doesn't know him. And it's getting pretty hot on Paul right now. Paul is speaking these things before the high priest. What happened here? Now it's getting pretty intense. And Paul looks around the room, and guess what Paul notices around the room? He notices some Sadducees and Pharisees in the room. The Sadducees and Pharisees are sort of like your bloods against the Crips. Is the blood and folks the bloods and Crips? What's the two games? The blood and Crips. The Sadducees and Pharisees don't like each other. They beef them with each other. They like throwing hands at each other. So guess what Paul's going to do? He's going to be pretty slick here. All the tensions on Paul right here, but now Paul's going to turn the tension to them, back up to them. So he brings up, so he brings up that since it's the Pharisee that is on trial, because what he, he believes about the resurrection, the Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection, do they? No. But many Jews didn't believe in the resurrection resurrection. One person says this. The trial takes a sharp turn when Paul is still in the middle of his speech. He brings up the reason for his arrest, the hope of the resurrection. So Paul said, I'm arrested because of the hope of the resurrection, which is Jesus. His words end up dividing the conquering, dividing and conquering. Was Paul trying to divert the attention away from himself to end this move? Perhaps, one person says. But I don't think we should jump to that conclusion. Paul did indeed point out the real issue behind his trials. It was a theological dispute. His belief in Jesus' resurrection separated him from the rest of the Jews and throughout his defense speeches. He constantly brings up the resurrection in 24, 14, and 16, 26, 16, and 8, and 28, 20. So the rest of the uh, book of Acts, Paul going to bring up resurrection over and over again. So Paul believed in the resurrection of Jesus. The Pharisees believe in the resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection in the last day. The Sadducee doesn't even believe in the resurrection. So Paul now, he takes advantage of this, and it seems like Paul is off the hook. 
So now the Sadducees and Pharisees are going back and forth to each other. And the Lord prepares him for what is about to happen. Look at verse 11. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the fact about me in Jerusalem, so you must be testified also in Rome. Paul now will be taken to Rome. So Paul makes it out of this with these Jews, right? He makes it out of there, because now the Jews are against each other right now, arguing over the resurrection, and then they kind of forget Paul is in the room right now. This is the time Paul to flee, right? At the point three. It doesn't take long for these Jews to kind of wake back up and figure out, hold on, where Paul is in this? The Jews make a plot to kill Paul. Now we learn that the Jews will try to one more last, one last time to get a hold of Paul. They now make a plot to not eat nor drink until Paul is dead. There's about 40 of them that made this conspiracy. They told the chief priests what they were planning to do so the chief priests can help them with this plan to kill Paul. But Paul's nephew, which is his sister's son, heard about what was going on, about the plot. And he went to the bear to share with Paul that Paul had his nephew share with the tribune. So the tribune have to do something about this because now Paul is a Roman citizen and the tribune can't let a Roman citizen die to Jews. So the tribune kept a secret what Paul's nephew shared. And we're going to learn here in the future that what's going to happen with the tribune, they're going to go so far to be able to care for Paul through this. It doesn't stop, family. Even though Paul, Paul kind of deterred them about the resurrection, they still wanted the brother dead. They still wanted the brother life. And guess who's doing all this? As we come to the end, family is his own family. His own Jewish kindred is doing this to him. They have been thinking about Psalm 2 and Psalm 10. Psalm 2 is a psalm of David that points to Jesus. Could these verses right here Paul had in mind during the time when people plotted against him? Let me read a little bit of Psalm 2 starting in verse 1. When evildoers plot against the Lord's people, the Lord bring them through. Well, verse 1, I mean verse 2. Why do the nation rage and the people plot in vain? You hear that? Why does the nation rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and rule to take counsel together. Family, the Jews and Sadducees come together. Against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst the bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4. Who who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and testify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's Psalm 2, verses 1 through 6. What about another psalm? Psalm 10, starting in verse 3. And the one greedy for gain cursed the renounce of the Lord. Verse 4. And the pride of his face with the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper all the time. Your judgment are on high, out of his sight. For as for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing, deceit, and oppression. 
Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in villages, and hiding in places he murders the innocent. His eyes, his eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks like that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed and sink down, fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, Lord, our God. Lift up your hand, forget, forget not to afflict it. Last one, look at Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Family, here today, even though evil workers are working in the midst of amongst all of us, they are plotting right now. Is somebody in your life right now plotting against you right now? It's happening right now. There's so many plots against God's people trying to live for what's right. It's there, and you don't even know it. But I say the words from that song. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds him in derision. Do y'all get that? The Lord is laughing at the plots of the devil, the evil ones around us. The Lord up there laughing keeps them derision. They're thinking they're going to take down God's people, but God already has a better plan in place. Jerry, they don't win. Shaquille, they don't win. Elijah, they don't win. It don't matter how many plots that are set around us. How do you know they don't win? Learn from this story in Paul today. It's amazing that God had Paul nephew in that room, didn't he? Paul nephew heard what's happening and shared with the Roman tribune. Paul nephew is a picture of one picture of grace. But the ultimate picture of grace, they plotted against Jesus, God, true anointing in Psalm 2. Family, Jesus had 12 disciples, Brad. He gave his life for them. He walked around life and cared for them. He stood up for them, Brad. He loved them. But, but, but the disciple that was really close to them, that had the money bad, family, he plotted against him. Judas, the one that Jesus done so many great things for, he still backstabbed him. Like the devil won, though. Because he bashed at him and he kissed him, Brad. He kissed Jesus and he bashed at him. And it felt like the story is over, that Jesus loses in the story. That when he got bashed through a plot, we felt like it was over, but it was part of the whole plan of God. Their plot for evil was God's plan for good. So, whatever they were thinking they were trying to do, to kill Jesus, to get him away so he would not win. The guy had a better plan that for them to go through with their plot to kill him for the father better plan to raise him back up. Family, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, forever, today, and forevermore. If God has already changed the evil plots of the evildoers for his own good, he have done it for Jesus. 
He have done it for Paul. He have done it for David through Saul. He have done it for Jonah. He have done it through all throughout the scriptures. God is showing us he's faithful in the midst of the plots of evildoers. He's going to bring us through. Family, why are we afraid of the plots of those around us today? Alina, we don't have to be afraid of the plots around us. They're coming. They ain't going to stop coming. Your closest friends might just best them. It's coming if it haven't happened already. But guess what? It's part of his glorious plan to reveal to the world that you are his disciple. We're not like the world, right? We get on Facebook and this person did all this was my friend at Bapstab B. We get on Facebook and say it's part of God's plan. We don't have to be afraid. He's the same. And he's going to do the same for us. He's going to raise us back up. Even the plot of Satan. In Genesis 3.15 when death came into this world. All of us in this room, one day we're all going to die. And Satan claps his hand. He's excited. But we know the glorious plan of this, that we all that are believers are going to be raised back up. The dude still think he got a chance. He think he got a, still got a chance to grab God's people. What did it tell us in Psalm 2? God hold him in derision. The brother's going around in circles. Satan cannot touch God anointed people. He cannot touch God's people. No matter what. So family, he will bring us through. So Christians in this room, let us go before the world. Show to the world what God has done for us. And not be aware of worry about what the plots that may come our way. Because there is some fake folks out there. There's a lot of them out there. That ain't your job to figure them out though. Your job to live like Jesus called you to live. But they're coming. I'm not saying you have to show some discernment. Watch out who come over your house all the time. Watch all the ones that help you out all the time. Somebody that might not be for your good. But I say this right here. It is some true brothers and sisters in Christ that is for your good. It is some out there that truly love you. You give them that space. You walk like with them. But it's some that's going to be fake and the Lord will expose them. It's not your job. Let the Lord be. Let the Lord. He got the high pay grade. The higher than yours. Let him take care of that. Let me pray for us. I think I'm starting to rant right now. And so let me end here as we get ready for the communion.